Welcome to the next edition of PJ Live, the podcast. We want to use this platform to connect you with interesting people, to bring insight on matters affecting members, discuss timely new topics, analyse trends and inspire our members. Through this podcast series, we'll be spending time with a wide variety of people, including members of staff, members of the association, and also members of the wider golf industry, discussing subjects that are relevant to you as members, as well as what's going on in the day-to-day of the golf industry. My name is Rich Barker, and I will be your host. My day job at the PGA is as Executive Director of Business Development. If you're expecting an experienced and polished podcast host, I can only apologise in advance. I am, however, excited to be on the journey with you, and will be doing my best to keep everybody in line. PJ Live, the podcast has evolved from the PJ Live webinar series that we launched earlier this year during lockdown. We already have lots of ways of communicating with you as members, including digital and print versions of the magazine, the weekly connect email and the members website to name just a few. Hello and thanks for joining us for this week's PJ Live, the podcast. If you haven't heard our podcast before, welcome along. It's great to have you with us. In today's session, we're joined by PGA Principal Partner and Partner in Education, Ping. Ping have been partners of the PGA for over 25 years. We thank them for their ongoing friendship and support. On today's podcast, we're going to spend time talking about Ping's approach to driver fitting and all things related. We will tackle the subject of distance, which is clearly a hot topic, but importantly, We hope to provide PJ members with some interesting takeaways that will help them sell more ping drivers. Okay, let's kick off with some introductions. Today I'm joined by Dave Fanning, Marketing Director, and Marty Jertsen, Vice President of Fitting and Performance. I'm also joined by our new Head of Commercial Partnerships, David Adams. Dave, to kick us off, can you please provide an overview of your role at ping? Yeah, so I've been kind of the Marketing Director for for, for many years. I joined the company back in uh, 1994, a uh, bit of a failed golfer, thought I could play the game, was never good enough, but got a great opportunity to come and work for the brand. I actually played as a played as for an, an amateur. So uh, when I started with the company, you know, Ping, we didn't have a sales force, uh, we didn't have a marketing department. So, you know, we were still under the guise of Carsten's leadership where, you know, product sold itself and, you know, that was the height of the you know, the I2 days, but, you know, things have changed and things have progressed on. So, yeah, my responsibility pretty much is for the marketing of the brand across Europe. Um, you know, what route, but we are still very much product-led, engineering-led. Uh, I think John Solheim will still, he's very proud that we have more engineers than marketeers in our, in our business. And, you know, that's what we're all about. We're about products and, you know, what leads our way in that is our fitting philosophy and, you know, how we develop product how we design products is pretty much around the basis of getting people fitted to their equipment um, you know make them make them play their best you know that's our hook line you know play your best and that means from being you know a tour pro right down to you know an amateur or a junior and um, you know it's great to have the relationship we have with the PGA because they're at the very forefront of you know club fitting ping fit you know fitting for the consumers from junior right the way through to um, you know to ladies and and you know it's been great to work with the PGA for 25 years. I mean that's how long I've been with the the, the company and we've always had this relationship. But very excited about the new relationship we have going forward as you know educating partner for for the PGA and 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 you know hopefully we can share some of our insights um, and you know that will help the pros. Uh, fit a little bit better, which is why, you know, Marty's going to do the lion's share of uh, of talking here. But, you know, 
we, we, we see that integral part of the PGA Pro from teaching, from fitting, um, from educating and, and, and uh, getting consumers to, to play clubs that help them play the best. And that's really what we're, we're all about. That's our DNA. Thanks, Dave, for that intro. Um, now, Marty, because I know you will downplay your role and achievements, I'm going to introduce your role to the audience, uh, if I may. Um, Marty is a PGA of American member and in his 17th year as an engineer at Ping. Marty was the lead designer of the G30 and the G410 drivers. He is the co-inventor of the iPing putting app and is named inventor on over 125 patents. From a playing perspective, Marty has played in six major championships, most recently the 2020 US Open at Wingfoot and made the cut in the 2019 PGA Championship at Bethpage Black. Marty has played on two PGA Cup teams, going 4-0 in 2011 and clinching the winning putt for the US team in 2019. That's a hell of a CV, Marty. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you got it, Rich. It's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. You know, I've, I, my relationship with the, with the PGA through the, uh, through the PGA Cups and spending plenty of time over there uh, with Dave and the Ping Europe team, um, coming over for some Open Championship qualifiers uh, a few times. I, I uh, really enjoy the relationship and enjoy going and visiting all of your members over there when I come over. So I'm looking forward to uh, spend some time with you guys today. Awesome. Thanks, Marty. Um, we're also joined by David Adams, who is our new head of commercial partnerships here at the PGA. Um, David, no, no pressure, but if you uh, could follow that and just introduce yourself and provide a bit of background for PGA members listening to the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Great to be with the PGA. I guess uh, easy date to remember when I started, which was the 4th of Jan, when every golf course shut in the country. So, uh, yeah, hopefully I'm not going to be a bad omen, but um, no, definitely a memorable date. Um, yeah, I guess my role in simple terms can be split into two. Firstly, it's ensuring our existing partners are engaged and, you know, we're driving that value for them through the partnership, but also it's delivering value and benefits to our PGA members too. Um, so that, that that's crucial for us. That's a lens that we put over every partnership. Um, and secondly, it's, you know, looking to add new partner uh, brands to our commercial family that, you know, that complement the PGA, um, our brand values, but also allow us to, to reinvest any commercial upside that we have in those partnerships um, to better service our PGA members around the world. Uh, my background primarily sits in sports marketing, um, having spent the best part of the last decade at Arsenal Football Club, working in various roles across commercial partnerships and marketing. Uh, but delighted to now be in golf, um, least of all that it's better for my dodgy knees anyway. Very good. Thank you, David. OK, let's get into it then. So driver fitting. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the distance versus accuracy debate. Marty, what's the most important distance or accuracy? Uh, so, yeah, it's a great question, Rich. It's, it's something that, um, you know, I think we've seen a lot of fitters, uh, a lot of accounts or, or your PGA members out there have this bias towards in the past historically uh, that it's very important with fitting to help your your golfer center their you know their their face impact maybe go shorter on driver length just get the ball in play and so I think that whole topic is something that we've explored to make sure we were approaching it the right way and that now we can educate our our fitters and our accounts the right way on what is that right approach and so we did it in the ping way which is we took a analytical mathematical statistical approach uh, of trying to solve this problem to answer that question what is more important 
is that uh, when, you, when you're going to get fit for a driver, you're fitting your, your customers for a driver, should you be focusing on uh, having them get more distance or should you be focusing on having them hit the ball straighter and tighten their dispersion? And, and it was a difficult answer. And it's not that the real answer is not binary. It's not one or the other. Um, and so it's, it's actually a ratio. And the way that we uh, kind of took our approach to this, we said, well, let's put it in the nomenclature of strokes gain driving. Let's use that as like our base metric. Everyone's kind of seen that stat now on uh, uh, with, with tour golf strokes gain driving. And, and this allows for somebody to hit the ball further, but they can hit a little more offline and have the same strokes gain driving as somebody who hits it shorter and straighter. Um, and it compares it to the field. And so we 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 did an analysis, Rich, where uh, we we showed that that ratio of distance to accuracy for your everyday golfer, your club golfer that you're going to be, your PGA members are going to be fitting out there is three to one. Three is the distance and one is the accuracy. So the way you use this in fitting, or at least having this in your mind when you're fitting your golfers is that if you can do something where, uh, let's say you have a, a golfer come in and they hit the ball very straight, you know, they're hitting plenty of fairways, uh, they're hitting the ball very straight, your priority should be on gaining them distance actually. And so if you can gain that golfer 15 yards, for example, and as long as their dispersion doesn't increase by more than five yards, they will improve their score from a strokes gain driving standpoint, if that makes sense, because they're beating that three to one ratio. And so you can use this very mathematically in the fitting process, you know, with launch monitors, TrackMan Foresight, you can measure that offline dispersion, the distance, and you can actually, you know, have we have a little lookup table or do the math on the three to one, or you can just have it in your head is kind of a, a guiding heuristic or a rule of thumb. And so this is a, it was a lot of fun to do that. And I think you're seeing the tour players also uh, take this approach. Uh, their ratio is a little different uh, because they're 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 hitting the ball further off the tee. Their penalties are a little bit different. It's more more two to one. But that that principle is what they're using when they're doing things in today's age, like you know tinkering, experimenting with longer drivers and things of that nature. I guess one of the key takeaways from 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 that, Marty, uh, is is fit fit what's in front of you. You know the the golfer who turns up who bombs it, but yes. hits it all over place you're going to focus more on accuracy yeah guy who hits it pretty straight but taps it you know you're going to want to help him get it out there a bit more so i guess that's one of the key points isn't it yeah absolutely yeah no doubt and, and i think we we see certainly at our fitting center here and i know in gainsborough we 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 see a lot of those golfers that they're they're hit it pretty straight um it's not a, you know a lot of golfers need help with, with accuracy and dispersion without a doubt and, and we're very focused on that obviously uh but i think this was it, it gave us permission now, once we did this analysis to if you when you do get that golfer and they do hit it straight, you have permission to go ahead and chase a little bit of distance for them and then the numbers validate it. And uh, but yeah, don't get me wrong, Rich, we, we see plenty of golfers out there that they, they need focus on dispersion. And so we're going a little shorter and and, and our max, our high MOA drivers and, and, and doing the shaft fitting and things of that nature to get them to get them in there from a dispersion standpoint. But very helpful to have this kind of rule or this guiding light. Uh, to help you in that fitting process, and it's, it's certainly something all of your members can can use right there in your in your fitting bays or um, in your fitting situations. It's kind of that 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 ratio and that rule of thumb. That's awesome. And so we, we've all had we've all been in a situation where um, you know the the average amateur golfer comes in and they want to hit it further. That's their primary objective. I want to I want to hit it further. 
and you you know their dispersion's okay but they, they just want to hit it a little bit further you know how, how is it possible to unlock distance through the fitting process mm, yeah that's a great question i think what one of the things that um and again I, you know it started with learning uh from the tour in a lot of what we do and, and i see my role at ping is you know what are these what are these nuanced things that the tour players are doing because they're you know, they have their tour rep there with them and they're they're iterating on the perfect optimal performance. And one of those things that we found just in the last couple of years, really rich, is the importance of uh, understanding um, the impact of the player's swing dynamics on their fitting, their optimal launch and spin. And so there, there's been a lot of information education out there, even our own material, if you went back uh, two years ago or more, we had these very, you know, uh, they were good. They were they were better than having no guides, but we had these kind of generic guides for you know high launch, low spin, depending on your club head speed. And we had some out we had some outliers that didn't really fit that. Uh, even our own education, our own metrics on this. And, and I think a few examples for me was is Lee Westwood, uh, who's obviously fantastic. I mean, one of the best drivers of the golf ball uh, in the history of golf. Um, he, he launched it low with, with higher spin than what we all thought was optimal and what our own charts said was optimal. Um, in today's age, we have, uh, we have Cameron Champ. Uh, he, if anyone's seen him on TV with the shot tracer, I mean, he launches the ball below eight degrees on almost every drive. Uh, if you look at his spin rate numbers on TrackMan, they're, they're, they're 26 to 2,800. You know, you, you your, your, your good fitters out there would say, why is he spinning it so much? And, you know, what's King doing? You got to get the spin down. And so where I'm going with this is these type of players have a, a common uh, a characteristic, Lee Westwood and, and Cameron Champ, where they hit down on the golf ball. So their angle of attack coming into the ball is down. And because they're hitting down on the ball, and that's their best technique from a biomechanics and swing consistency standpoint to drive it good and repeat their performance, they're allowed to launch, their optimal launch and spin is going to be lower launch and higher spin. And so we've done a lot of research on this, um, you know, that can now explain those tour players. And you can bring that again now to your everyday club golfer that's coming in. We have this chart that will tell you based on your angle of attack and your ball speed, what is the perfect launch and spin for that player? And so this applies to the highest ball speeds out there to your your junior golfer, uh, your, uh, your, your lady golfer population, your slower swing speed players. Changing that angle of attack is just as important for driver fitting and knowing what your optimal launch and spin is as knowing the speed, the club head speed or the ball speed for your golfer. Um, so for example, if you had a player at 100 miles an hour uh, ball speed and you change it in, and we have one player that's in and hitting down two degrees and another player that's hitting up two degrees with their angle of attack, that's gonna change their optimal launch by about three degrees and their optimal spin by about 400 RPM. And so it just kind of shows you how important that is. And so one of the, the best and easiest, fastest ways to unlock distance is use our optimal launch and spin fitting chart for drivers. And we've seen so many players come in and they, they haven't factored in that angle of attack and we can unlock five to 10 yards of distance just through optimizing their launch conditions with that chart. So that's the the difference that it'll make is five to 10 yards. Is, is, that, is that the... 
Yes, but yeah, you could get easily five to ten yards just through uh, taking into account your angle of attack and factoring that in. And so if someone's more down, you know, you're going to you're going to hone in on that higher launch, lower spin or a higher launch. Um, uh, if somebody's higher at downward angle of attack, you can really hone in on allowing them to launch it lower with higher spin. Somebody hits more up uh, the tour example there. Victor Hovland uh, hits up a couple degrees. He launches it 13, 14 with 2100 spin because he hits up on the golf ball. So we've been able to unlock distance for, for every caliber of player in, in, yeah, it's easily five to 10 yards uh, for your golfers coming in, just using this chart. That's just the fitting alone. Um, I think with, the thing interesting, Marty, is when we kind of unlocked this, it was a bit of a, not eureka moment, but it was a pretty, pretty big moment in, in terms of our understanding. And we kind of sat there and said, do we share this chart? You know, this mm -hmm. is internal. and we kind of looked at it and said, you know what, this, this is helping people fit clubs better yes it can be used across it's not just the ping ping uh, ping approach um but you know we just felt no this is good information to share with the club fitters out there that have those launch monitors that can get that information and, and just help unlock distance across the board so we, we we made that public we've shared that with our accounts and you know that's that's in the public domain and you know i think that's just another way proving out that fitting is at the heart of our you know how do you unlock distance well let's do it through fitting not just you know, razzmatazz. You know, it's 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 meaningful. It's a meaningful chart. So that is available to the PGA members. It's so, interesting. So, it, it, I guess it's uh, it, very similar, um, Dave, in, in the sense that you know the color color code chart that you know mm. uh, Carson Solheim created 50 years ago. So very kind of uh, innovative way of looking at things. Um, that's obviously for for iron fitting, but this is this is really fascinating for driver fitting. Then absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about PJ members listening to this, if they haven't got a copy of that that driver fitting chart, how how can they get one? I believe it's is it on the 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 ping website, um, Marty, on the proving gowns. If, if if I think that's where it's living. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, if you go ping.com and go on the proving grounds, it's it's got an article based on it, um, and so we can make that available. But you know, if anybody wants to reach out, reach through you, you know, we can definitely make that available uh, along with we've done an iron fitting chart as well which hopefully we can talk about um down the line as well in another podcast awesome yeah i think what we'll do we'll distribute that uh, that chart along with the podcast that'd be great marty i'm, I'm interested um, with your experience you talked about some examples there from the tour um again just looking at your stable of brand ambassadors um talk to me about how you go about fitting bubba watson yeah Bub bubba's a uh he, he's very healthy for us and he's challenged us as engineers and club fitters a lot because he is so unique. You know, uh, A, he has uh, so much speed and the speed is really the key that will, that unlocks his, uh, you know, his, his artistry and his, and his creativity. Uh, the ability to curve the modern day golf ball is, uh, is something that you need a lot of speed for. And so, um, uh, he's he's a fun one to study and to work with. Obviously, the, the other challenge with him is all of our a lot of our tools are built for right-handed golfers. Uh, our our 3D motion capture systems and things of that nature. So we have fun kind of flipping those around uh, just for him and him only. But uh, he's a lot of fun to work with. He he has the um, you know us as engineers and even me as a as a as a tournament golfer i still have this very analytical mindset you know we're hitting these certain numbers and, the, and it's all about the numbers and kind of the optimization then when you go play golf you kind of turn that off but bubba 
he's always talking about, you know, in terms of the feel, in terms of the flight, in terms of what he sees. Um, and he's kind of very, he's the opposite of, of, uh, of what we do day in and day out. So he really has stressed us um, on a lot of those components. When it comes to fitting him, uh, certainly that's a lot of fun as well. I mean, his driver fitting, he, he has a number of different shots that he hits with the driver. And so that's a challenge. Uh, his stock shot is this kind of low chip leading fade that he calls it. Um, and he curves the ball a lot on that shot. Uh, for to take distance off uh, candidly a little bit and to enhance control. It's very predictable for him. And so, uh, you know, the question is, well, what do you fit him for? Do you fit him for that shot or do you fit him for the shot where he's trying to hit, take all the curve out and and uh, his attack angle when he hits his high bomb uh, goes, he can, he can ha uh, hit up on the ball six or seven degrees when he's hitting his very high straight one. This is the shot he hit on 13 at Augusta, I think 2014 when he won over the over the trees. He just took all the curve out, hit up on it, and we've seen that in our in our uh, in our launch pad here at the Proving Grounds, our fitting bay, uh, that he has the ability to do that and hit the ball about 20, 25 to 30 yards further than his normal little uh, chip fade. So, yeah, it's um and and then studying what he does with the weight and balance of his club. You know, he plays a you know a little bit shorter driver, very heavy grip. The total weight on the club is very heavy, and um, that's because he has so much, you know, closure rate. He's he's pulling on the handle a lot when he's jumping up and back, and so um, he's kind of the ultimate edge case uh, for us to study and, and work with. And uh, we've we've learned a lot from him on drivers, um, and then also just on his uh, his iron game too. And how important that shot making and creativity and what he's looking for there. So much speed, the forces of the club going through the turf uh, to when he's making his when he's you know he takes big divots. If you have a lot of speed, you take big divots. And the turf interaction for him is very very important on irons because of his shot making. How you know his uh, face to path. He delivers the face very open and close and changes that drastically on every shot. That's just something you just do not see with any other golfer out there. And so um, um, that's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot uh, working with him on, on that aspect as well. It's interesting. So staying with um, Bubba, only, only because you, you, you talked about it there, but um, thinking about the, the amateur golfer, Bubba has a massive grip on his driver. Yes. How much difference does a big grip make on a, on a driver? What, you know, again, what, what are the considerations there? Yeah, so the big grip, we've, we've, we've actually just did another kind of fitting science project on this. We, we had always thought, and even in our fitting manual and our education, that a bigger grip, the, the, the actual diameter of the bigger grip causes you to you know, leave the face a little bit more open. And um, the actual root cause of, of why the face is delivered more open is because bigger grips are heavier. And so when you add that mass to the club, it actually delays the face from squaring up a little bit. And uh, we actually have a, another article on, on the Ping Proving Grounds uh, blog website on this, the impact of, of grip uh, on performance. And so really we thought, well, Bubba's doing that to slow the face uh, from squaring down because the grip is bigger. But it's actually, what he's actually doing is kind of counterbalancing the club uh, quite a bit. I think uh, even some of the old, you know, old, Timers uh, did this. You know, we've heard stories of Jack Nicholas uh, putting 
weights in the end of his grips. And, uh, you know, Sergio Garcia has a high closure rate. You can kind of think of that. And he's always kind of been known for counterbalancing. So players that have a lot of speed and the club closes very quickly and they're pulling on the handle a lot down near the impact, you know, once the club gets parallel to the ground, that heavy grip, well, the big grip adds mass and that weight helps kind of kind of delay things and really help with his his timing. Awesome. So it's, it's unbelievable to think that a simple component of the grip pack can have so much. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Obviously, a hot topic at the moment is, is driver length. You see tour players um, experimenting with different driver lengths and put yourself in the shoes of a PJ member. Um, you know, in, in a few, few weeks time when we're back open, mm. uh, a member walks in and says, right, I, I want a longer driver. I want to get it out there uh, a bit further. What are the key considerations here? How, how, how does a longer driver, uh, what impact does that actually have on the result? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I think the key is to, um, you know, again, some things have really changed in the industry in terms of technology. So um, where I'm going with that is that allowing your golfers is experimenting with a longer driver. Now is the best time to do it for several reasons. A, um, the, the longer the driver, you're going to have to generally kind of lighten the head weight a little bit so the swing weight doesn't get too heavy, right? Then if it's too heavy, you're going to have a hard time squaring it and golfers going to block it out to the right. It's usually the opposite of what everyone needs. And so you're going to have to lighten the head weight a little bit. So um, it, we have a technology in, with our shaft design. Our uh, Alta CB is our, our proprietary shaft design. It's both light and very counterbalanced. And so from a golfer standpoint, that's going to make the head feel lighter because the balance point or the center of gravity is closer to the golfer's hand. So when you swing it, it kind of tricks your body into thinking the club's lighter. So with that Ulta CB shaft, we can then increase the head weight. And so the, the longer the driver, the more important the shaft is. And the more important it is to have a shaft uh, that is light and counterbalanced. And so that's where that's behind the entire theory of our Alta CB uh, slate shaft that's in the G425. We've had these Alta CB shafts in our G's drivers for quite some time, is so that we can go a little bit longer in that standard length, but keep plenty of mass in the head. And the mass in the head does a couple really good things. It allows for more momentum. You know, mass times velocity is, a, is kind of the physics of. Uh, of momentum and you want to you, you have this goldilocks zone where you're trying to balance both mass and velocity at the same time you go too heavy on the head weight and, and your club head speed or your velocity goes down and you'll hit it shorter if you go too light on the head weight you can swing it really fast but you won't have enough meat or mass there to transfer that momentum to the ball and you can also lose ball speed so there's a sweet spot in there our alta cb when it comes to longer drivers allows you to go longer um and and still have plenty of mass in the head and then the the third piece of this rich is is now our driver the moment the moment of inertia is higher than ever and so if you you know i think it'd be easy for a lot of pga members and we, we certainly see it here domestically in the states say oh we've we've tried longer drivers that didn't work in the past you know 10 years ago 20 years ago it's a totally different ball game now our moment of inertia is so high that you don't have to hit it perfectly in the center of the face every time. And then we have these shaft designs now that keep the head weight up. So you can go certainly, I think with your, your club golfers out there that are coming in, they want to experiment with this. 
Uh, our stock length is 45 and three quarters, but certainly uh, with our Alta CB, we're, we're doing some shafts here uh, in the US at 46 and a half, letting the swing weight go up a little to about D6. And we are seeing with that three to one distance to accuracy ratio that we talked about, we are seeing if you have that, uh, that golfer that hits it very straight and your priority is to get a more distance, we're seeing about 10, five to 10% of our golfers really benefiting from going over 45 and three quarters, going to 46 and a half. They could still repeat it. They could square it up. They're getting more club head speed. They're, they're having the, the, the high moment of inertia of the driver and hitting the ball further and, and having more fun doing it. Wow, that's, that's fascinating that um, you're actually seeing it. You're actually seeing demand for this and it's actually, you know, it's actually an option. It's actually a solution. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. You um you touched on counterbalance shafts there. Um, could, could you provide a bit more information on, on on counterbalance shafts and their role in driver fitting, perhaps not just in the context of a longer driver, but just more more generally in in fitting more broadly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we we've been working on counterbalance shafts for quite some time. Um, you know, over over ten years or so, we've been evolving this technology and. Uh, really, the benefit there is to get more mass in the club. The benefit you're you're having as the golfer or the fitter is you're getting more mass in the club head. And as you have more mass in the club head, you're getting higher moment of inertia, so it's going to be more forgiving. And then you can do things like we talked about, which is you know you know maybe go a little bit longer and keeping your head weight up, so you have really good momentum. And so it's something we've been working on for a long time, and. Uh, and I, you're seeing uh, pretty much all the shaft companies out there have some version of, you know, some some degree of counterbalance options in their shafts. Um, and it's certainly a good option for, uh, you know, getting a little bit more head weight, getting a little bit more forgiveness. And it's especially important when you're considering going a little bit longer in the, in the driver shaft. So, yeah, definitely, definitely something to experiment with and, and kind of be aware of what it does from a physics standpoint and a fitting standpoint. Marty, just um, again, I'm very uneducated in this area. So talking, staying on counterbalance shafts, just so you talked about what happens, but in in real terms, actually what actually happens through the shaft, what, what's actually going on to, to allow that, um, to, to allow more mass in the club head? What is actually happening? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So in a, in a graphite shaft, uh, the, gra the uh, carbon fiber layers are wrapped around the you know steel uh, tube. It's called a mandrel, and so in graphite, it's a lot of fun because you can change uh, you can change the the uh, material property characteristics depending on how you lay the fibers around the mandrel. And so what we do is we we use higher modulus or higher strength or stiffer materials in the tip, and then we take some of that wall thickness out of the bottom half of the shaft and we put it back up in the top of the shaft. So under, underneath your hands or our Alta CB is the, the most extreme. We actually uh, put a, a weighted plug right underneath the grip before we put the grip in. And so we're taking mass from in the shaft on the bottom half close to the club head and we're putting it back in the shaft up under the hands or in the most extreme case at the end of the grip. And so that's how you can kind of imagine in your head then Boy, that's going to make the the club head feel lighter to me, and so then we can once that feels lighter, then you can put more mass in the actual club head itself. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Rick. Awesome. Yes, that's cool. Uh, I guess Marty, I've got a couple of quick questions for you. You've obviously worked for Ping since two thousand three, uh, had a life in golf so far, and 
you know, what what are the benefits do you think having a pro golfer, you know, like yourself with that that frontline experience on tour? You know, what, what can that bring to the research and development um, process for for a manufacturer? Do you think? Yeah, certainly. I, I'm very grateful for uh, for playing in some of those events, and you know, I, I remember at the waste management uh, Phoenix Open I played in uh, in 2020. I was in the locker room, and some of the players were like, uh, "Are you playing this week or, or working?" <laughs> you know, so. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I've really tried to every single experience I've had out there myself personally, I bring back just a wealth of uh, kind of nuanced insight into what are the conditions that the tour player is trying to, uh, what are they facing? For example, you know, it, it's easy for us to be in the office and hear our tour players say, you know, we need smaller blade length irons on the tour. Well, I got to experience why at the, the at Wingfoot. Uh, you're hitting the whole field, not just me, uh, was hitting half of their shots out of the rough. You, you know, you're only hitting 50% of the fairways at best. And so, boy, now it's a, uh, it's a little bit different coming in the office and, you know, I, you know, uh, we need something smaller that's going to go through the rough easier. We need a, you know, a smaller headed five wood or seven wood. You can lash out of the rough. And so certainly trying to get all those insights into the conditions that they're facing uh, that you can only get if you're out there in, in experiencing that. Why distance control for those players is so important with how the pins are and in those situations. So um, it's really helped us design clubs uh, better for the PJ Tour. But at the same time, I feel like my role, and I'm really trying to focus on this, is also to empathize with the club golfer how can we give the club mm -hmm. golfer the pga member access to all those tools or secrets or insights that the tour player just has access to because they got all the bells and whistles available to them and so that's that's another piece i try to to wear that hat as well as and that's what you're seeing in a lot of these charts we've made and some of these fitting tools is you know the tour players are naturally ending up in these places through a lot of iterations and blood, sweat, and tears when they're out there working with their fitter. And we, we can we can fast track that and provide those tools to the everyday player. No, that, that's fascinating. And I guess for all those, you know, the youngsters out there, there'll be plenty of, you know, in your native Phoenix, Arizona, but all golfers around the world. Uh, when you think about when you picked up the, the clubs for the first time, you know, my question is, what's the one thing that you know you loved about golf growing up as a youngster that you still it still rings true today mm, yeah david that's uh that's a good one i think when i think back to my childhood and you know i started playing golf i think at seven years old and now i have my own son uh, grant uh and he's seven years old now and uh my my memory of, of pick, playing golf uh was just spending every saturday or and sunday with my dad at the golf course you know we play every single weekend that was our routine and and i loved that i loved uh the memories of playing golf with my family and then all of our trips to play uh play junior golf tournaments and all the adventures that that came with that and so it's a fun time for me now my now my kid is uh my oldest kid seven years old and i feel like i'm at that exact same point and and uh you know we've been fortunate over here with our uh our situation in arizona and the weather uh we've been able, i've been able to start taking mountain and and get him on the golf course and that's still the most fun for me is is playing as a family 
Yes, it's that there's always a tipping point, isn't there, with a father and son or a mother and daughter when they're playing sport? You know, what age do they get to before they they start beating their their mother or father? So hopefully for for you that that lasts a, a lot longer. You've got a little bit of time on your side there. We're, we're he's seven years old, but he's a math math whiz. So we we uh, we have our games. He gets two shots a hole, and we usually either, you know play for a video game, or if I win, he gives me a two minute massage. You know, so we. There's always something on the line, even at that age. Fantastic. Awesome. Marty, that was amazing. Thank you very much for that for that level of insight. It was really, uh, really powerful information there. Thank you. Dave, I'd just like to come to you for, for a few questions, if I, if I may. It's obviously yeah, been you know, a pretty tough time in, in the UK golf industry through the last 12 months and the COVID mm. pandemic. Um, how have the last few months been from a ping perspective and how have you managed the relationship with, uh, with our PGA members? I mean, there's no, there's no doubt it's been difficult for for everybody. But I think the the saving light has been, you know, just the resurgence of golf. You know, if anything, COVID did get people back out on the golf course and playing more golf. So, you know, that's been really good to see. And you know, yes, it was, you know, certainly the first lockdown. You know, I remember it well. You know, we kind of we went into that lockdown period and just really had no idea where this was gonna was gonna go and how long for. So. One of the first challenges we had is, you know, we, we had a launch of product coming up in, in in August. You know, what do we do with that? You know, you know, like every business, like like the PJ Pro, he's trying to forecast his sales. We're trying to forecast our sales. So it was incredibly, you know, it was impress, unprecedented in my career. You know, we we were in new new grounds, but when that first lockdown kind of came out, we you know we'd made that decision to defer the launch of the G425 to this spring. Um, and then we went into the second lockdown and, you know, we, we thought we were maybe going to launch, um, you know, in, in February. And, you know, we've had to defer that again, you know, in the UK, we have launched in Europe, you know, where golf is open and golf's being played. Uh, you know, we, we chose to launch. So we were pretty much known as a global launch, you know, we, but we did launch in Japan um, when, you know, back, back in September. So it's been interesting times, um, but we've kind of, the good thing from us is, you know, we'll always make decisions for the long term. You know, that's the ping philosophy. Um, you know, so we won't make quick, quick decisions for, a, you know, for a quick turnaround um, and, and financial gain. So we, we've taken a bit of a long game to this and said, you know what, it's it's right for ping. It's right for our customers that we defer a launch of a product, which is so important to, to, to everybody's livelihoods. Um, and so we made that decision. So we obviously listened in and bated breaths to what Boris was saying last night and you know, however you look at it, it's it's we look like we've got a road path. You know, we're backing we're back playing golf on the 29th. We could argue, could it be sooner? But it, we all know where we're at right now. So having said that, we're all still deciphering what does that mean in terms of, you know, the PGA Pro, click and collect it's when, you know, retail's not open till the 12th. So, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at the launch and saying, you know, around when golf's back, you know, Ping's ready to service its account base, which is PGA Pros and you know high street as well so we have to be respectful of all of our accounts uh, but at the forefront is you know there's no point sending a golf club if you can't go play golf right and and ideally you know we want everybody to be fitted for that golf club so that's still the unknown um, variant we have out there but we think the pros are in good positions to be able to you know be it loan out clubs trial clubs you know get people back playing again and from what we're hearing from the members, it has been difficult times, but you know, if anything, it's been in the middle of winter, which is typically the quietest period of time. So we just feel there's a real vent up 
people are ready to go play golf people are ready to spend money on golf clubs you know we're not booking i'm certainly not booking a holiday right now and not sure when i'm going to spend that um, luckily I, I don't have to buy my golf clubs but you know there's a lot of guys out there and women out there that say you know what you know i'm going to enjoy my golf this summer and i want to play with some new equipment um, i'm ready for that and you know we're hearing that back from pga members so i think everybody's just ready to go and and so that 29th is going to be a you know a, a key date uh, and I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that you know golf's going to stay open. I, you know, I wish I could absolutely have that as a guarantee, but you know, we think as a brand, it's going to be a good year for Ping. You know, we think we've got everything set up, ready to ready to go and support the PGA members out there. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it is. It has been tough. You, you feel for businesses, and uh, you know, you know, I've never been in. I've never been put on furlough. I kind of wished a few months ago I could have had a, a couple of weeks off, but. You know, we're, we're just planning behind the scenes and, you know, our, our, our sales force ready to be out there and service the pro and our customer services are ready to, to, to do that. And the great position we're in is, you know, we're asking guys and account holders, you know, go fit your consumers. You know, let us be the let, let us be the warehouse, you know, fit them, order it, we'll ship yeah. it. You know, and, and, and that's always been our philosophy. And I think it's a good philosophy for the to support the, the, the PGA pros out there and, you uh, yeah, just just ready for golf to start happening, Rich. To be honest, I'm uh, I'm, I'm sick of teams meetings. <laughs> so, um, but it'd be good to get face to face. But you know, I think golf's in a I think golf's in a good place. Thanks, Dave. And um, you know, I think you know on behalf of um, PGA members, um, you know, Ping stockists, you know, thank thank you for that support. And um, you know, Ping have definitely been um, you know the leaders in supporting PGA members through these these tough times. So it is. Is genuinely appreciated, um, Marty. I, I touched on it at the start. Um, we talked a little bit about your your PJ Cup uh, experience. Um, particularly, I'd like to talk about 2019, uh, if I may. So it's, it's a pretty emotional subject for the GBNI team. Mm. Um, again, for, the, for anyone listening who doesn't know, 2019 PGA um, Cup played out in Texas. The GBNI team were leading 10-6 going into the Sunday singles. Uh, and uh, Marty, you uh, you hold the winning putt for the American team in the last group. Um, talk to me a little bit about that experience. What was it like? What was the camaraderie and the, the sort of the, mm. the team spirit between the two teams like? Yeah, well, I think you're just bringing it up. I got some goosebumps just thinking about the whole moment. It's both those PGA Cups were probably, you know, two of my favorite golf memories, you know, even playing all the individual stuff. This is something culturally we just don't do as much in America, as you guys know. And and, and 2019 was magical. Um, we were, we, we, all of the Americans were, we were playing good the first two days, uh, Friday and Saturday. We, we were playing great. Uh, you guys were just playing way better. <laughs> so it, we, we felt like on Saturday night, of course, we were down and in, in, in kind of, uh, uh, you know, depressed a little bit. But, uh, you know, inside our team room, we knew we were all playing good. You, you guys were just playing that much better. I mean, uh, boy, I remember I played against uh, Matthew Court, and I, I felt like I, I was playing against uh, uh, Terrell Hatton. I mean, he's the best iron player. He had so many kick-ins. Every iron shot he hit up there is uh, that's good. And I'd be trying to make our thirty-footer for birdie. And, and uh, man, my, my partner and I were playing great, but we were zero and three going into the singles. And um, we were in Austin, Texas. Uh, uh, GBNI team was they did everything right. It was hot. They were playing nine holes a day, getting warmed up, pacing yourselves. Everything was going perfect for you guys. The first. Uh, for GB and I, those first two rounds. Well, we were in Austin, Texas, uh, and that's where Ben Crenshaw lives. He spent time with us 
uh, earlier that week and uh, sent a little message in to us on Saturday night and our captain, uh, Derek Sprague, did a great job kind of getting us all all uh, motivated. And we came out on Sunday and it, it was it was magical for the for us Americans. Me, I was in the last group and uh, seeing all the red on the board, it, you know, it was very motivating for us, which is this wave of momentum. You know, the more red we saw up there and we were being up in all these matches, it really inspired us and and we played great. I, I think uh, it was a it was a a matter of you guys were playing the GB and I was playing the best golf on on uh, Friday and Saturday and for whatever reason we played phenomenal on Sunday. We had some great breaks, some magical things, and then yeah, myself happened to be out there in that last group. Uh, I was so nervous on this uh, this putt that clinched it. Oh, I remember my hands were shaking. And uh, the, the, the entire uh, group of both teams and all of our span, fans were there around that green, making that putt, the crowd just going crazy. It was, it was a moment I'll, I'll never forget. Um, but I tell you what, uh, Captain uh, Cameron Clark and, and the entire team, the GB and I were so gracious. We had such a great week and I still keep in touch with uh, all the players there that we are on the team with through social media and other things. We feel like we have this special bond between us uh, Americans and, and the GB&I team. And no doubt there was a few beers shared that evening. Well, I tell you what, in the in the team room was a lot of fun. We, we were in our team room celebrating um, and uh, Captain Clark came over, knocked on the door and in came uh, the whole GB&I team into our, our US team room. And uh, let's just say there were some dancing on some tables and and singing and having a really good time and in a and, and definitely a night we will never forget and, and uh, a lot of fun so much camaraderie you know it was a just fantastic golf it's some of the best golf i've ever seen from from both sides and, and mostly the gb and i team those first two days awesome thank thank you marty for that that insight we won't ask you to name names on who was dancing uh, on tables but we'll leave that <laughs> another day um, but look, look, guys, we've 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 come to the end of our session today. Um, it's been awesome to uh, to get that level of insight, Marty, from someone with your experience and knowledge, um, and to get that information from from our partner um, at, at Ping. So, Dave, Marty, thanks very much for for taking the time out of your schedules to join us today. And uh, Dave, obviously, you know, thank you very much for the ongoing support that Ping provide the association. Thank you guys. I would love the opportunity. It's been great to be able to bring Marty's um, knowledge knowledge to the PGA members, and you know we're 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 here for you um, for for a long time. You know, ping ping's support of the PGA will will continue for a very long time. Yep. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. And uh, hope everyone can go out there, take a few nuggets to unlock more distance for uh, for your customers. Thanks for listening to today's PGA Live, the podcast. The regularity of these podcasts are yet to be fully confirmed, but we'll be sure to let you know when the next one is available. We would welcome your company. Please let me know your feedback on today's podcast. Also, let me know if there are any topics you would like us to cover in the future. Perhaps you would even like to be a guest on a future episode. Please send your feedback and questions into pga live at pga.org.uk.